Well, grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We are in the season of Advent now, as has been made clear to you a variety of times in this service. But I just want to remind you, in case you missed it, the word Advent comes from a Latin word, which means coming. Coming. Advent means coming. God is a God who comes to us. In the Old Testament, God promised that he would send a Savior, a Messiah, for the salvation of the world. And on Christmas, that Savior named Jesus was born into the world. God followed through on his promise, and he came just as he said he would. Prior to Jesus' ascension into heaven, Jesus promised that he will come again. To make all things new, to restore what is wrong, to fix what's broken, to raise the dead, Jesus will have a second advent. And so in this season of advent, in these days leading up to the celebration of Christmas, we set our sights not only on the birth of Jesus, but we set our sights on the birth of Jesus to see that our God is a God who follows through on his promises to come. And we can trust and live in sure and certain hope that he will come again just as he's promised that he will, or that he said he would. So Advent is this time for us to wait and reflect and prepare for the coming of Christ. Yes, in his birth, but even more so at his second coming. We wait and we prepare for Jesus. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus living as though Jesus is going to come at any moment, even right now. As Pastor Kevin and I were preparing this Advent sermon series, we were discussing uh, about all of you and the ways that you all are living life, the struggles that you're having, the difficult things you're going through. And what we recognize is that there are a lot of us that are living life distracted and not ready for the return of Christ. A lot of us live life in these frenzied and frenetic paces where we think to ourselves, if we just do one more thing, one more project, one more activity, one more job, one more opportunity. If we accomplish this and then that and this, at some point, at some time, we'll be able to rest. But in actuality, in our ministering to a lot of people, what we're recognizing is that this kind of lifestyle is wrecking a lot of your realities. And you're living life in a distracted state and missing what God is doing in your life in every single moment. This lack of resting, lack of preparing, lack of watching, Jesus is affecting you in significant ways. And so, this Advent season, we're going to gather together under the theme, Be Still. Based in Psalm 46, we'll get to it. Psalm 46.10 eventually says, Be still and know that I am God. 
But before we get to verse 10, we're going to break this down week after week because the psalmist encourages us in three primary sections that God is our one true source of strength and protection and hope and salvation, and therefore we need not fear or worry. We're going to be taking a look at Psalm 46 both on Sunday mornings and on Wednesdays. And so we encourage you to come and, do, and be prepared for both. Wednesdays is going to have a totally different feel to it when we gather at 6 o'clock. And so we encourage you to come and be present for both and really just lean into these words and listen closely and be still. Today we're looking at the first three verses of Psalm 46. Pastor Kevin read it for you already, but it's short, and I just want to read it for you again. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. God is our refuge, and he is our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. God is our refuge. God is our refuge. When I say this to you, that God is your refuge, what, what picture pops into your mind? What is, what is a refuge to you. Maybe some of you picture a refuge being your home. Maybe your house is a refuge. Or maybe a room within your house <laughs> is a refuge. Maybe this church building is a refuge for you. Maybe you have a favorite place out in nature that you go to that's a refuge. Or maybe some of you, if I said draw a picture of a refuge, that God is your refuge, maybe you draw some sort of fortress or, or cave or rock where you know that you are safe as the storms surround you. God is our refuge. How do you experience this reality on a daily basis? God is your refuge. When I think about a refuge, I can't help but think about Lake Superior all around us. I've been out on the waters of Lake Superior numerous times in my life in all different sizes of vessels. <laughs> I've been in Lake Superior on just a little floaty raft. I've stand-up paddle-boarded, canoed, kayaked. I've been out on Lake Superior in a ski boat and in a fishing boat and even a larger sailboat. But I have to be honest with you, I'm no expert boatsman myself, and I've never captained any of those vessels except for the kayak and the paddleboard and the canoe. And I have to be honest with you, Anytime that I've gone out onto the waters of Lake Superior, I'm always a little bit nervous <laughs> because it's a big lake. And I've never actually been on Lake Superior where I've gone so far out that I cannot see any land around me. 
I've only had those experiences on the ocean and on Lake Michigan. I took the big ferry one time. And so if I've ever been out on a big body of water where you can't see land, it's been on a really big ship, not a little boat. And so I can only imagine if I went out on one of your fishing boats far away from shore where I couldn't see land, that I would just have to take a lot of deep breaths (laughs) and trust my captain, right? I was thinking about this one time, though, where I was a passenger on a, on a boat, and we started in Chassel Bay, and we were touring around, and we went out um, through the canal, and, and, and the, the, the people who were driving the boat said, should we, should we head out towards White City and out into Keweenaw Bay a little bit? And we thought, all right, well, let's do it. As we were in Chassel Bay and in the canal, I felt very, very secure. I grew up in northern Minnesota and spent every summer on the water. And so I'm very comfortable on a boat, so long as I'm really close to shore. (laughs) But as we headed out towards uh, Keweenaw Bay, we were along that break wall where the big lighthouse is towards the south entry. And as we're heading along this break wall, the, the shoreline just starts getting farther and farther apart. You see the expanse of water out in front of you and the temperature starts to come. And you go from this nice, warm, sunny day to now freezing and wrapping up in towels. And I just remember heading out into the waters of Lake Superior thinking, I'm good. We don't, I don't really need to do this. Let's go. Let's just go back into the safe refuge of the canal. That would be be nice with me. Because there's that feeling as you enter the waters of Lake Superior that it's big, intimidating, overwhelming. I could get in a bit of trouble out here if things go wrong. I think that's how a lot of us feel about life in general. I'm sure all of you have those places of refuge where you feel safe and secure, whether it be your home or a room in your home or this church building or a place in nature, a place where you feel safe and secure. But then when you think about the world out there, not just out your front door, but across the ocean or across the sea or in the big city, you you think about what's out there And it's overwhelming. Maybe you've watched the news too much or scrolled social media too often and your mind can only think of the potential calamities that are in front of you out there. Maybe you're just constantly worried about the bad news that's out there. Only thinking about the the problems that might occur Or when you see people that you don't know, perhaps you first think that they're going to be an enemy instead of a potential friend. Sometimes we look at the world out there and we think it's so big, so overwhelming. And for some of you, when you just think about the world out there, all you think about is your never-ending, overwhelming to-do list. (laughs) And that's big enough. When you step out into the world, there can often be a lot of uncertainty, a lot of, a lot of fear, a lot of storms, just a lot. Maybe sometimes you find yourself wondering, is it even safe to leave my refuge? It's so impressive on Lake Superior to see the giant freighters, the thousand-footers especially, 
I don't know if you've ever seen those thousand-foot freighters up close or stood next to one, but I, I have, and they're, they're so impressive. You, you look at them and you think, those things must be unsinkable. <laughs> Famous, nobody said that about a boat after the Titanic, I don't think, so don't say that about the boats, but you just think, what, I mean, what, could, what danger could these things face in Lake Superior? But even those largest of ships, they too have to seek refuge during the storm. I read a news article where Eric Peace was quoted. This man, Eric, is the vice president of the Lake Carriers Association, so big ships on Lake Superior. And he was talking about these large ships that have to seek refuge. And he's quoted in the paper as saying this, when there's a significant windstorm, it's not uncommon for ships to take refuge when the wind is blowing around 45 knots with waves as large as 15 feet. It's especially when the wind is strong out of the west or the east where there's nowhere for the freighters to hide without hunkering down. He said, when the wind is out of the north or the south, the ships can run the shorelines. But when the wind is out of the west or the east, it makes the travel much more difficult to navigate with those larger waves and blowing in that direction. He said, once you get around the Keweenaw Peninsula, there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this. I have with my own eyes where these large freighters will come and hunker down in Keweenaw Bay in the largest of storms. I've seen a whole fleet of them out there. I haven't seen it with my own eyes, but I've heard stories that sometimes they'll even come and seek refuge in the canal or even into Portage Lake itself. And so what that tells me is that I'm justified to be a little bit fearful of Lake Superior and want to come back into the canal if these large ships want to do the same. In Psalm 46 today, in particular in verse 2, the psalmist is describing all of the natural chaotic forces that occur in the world. And he's, he's writing these things in a hyperbolic nature, the extreme of the extreme of natural chaos. He speaks of earthquakes and stormy waters and unstable mountains, volcanoes, landslides, tsunamis, if you want to picture that. But the psalmist says, when these things occur, we will not fear. We will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be thrown into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, we will not fear. Why? Because God is in control of chaos. God is in control of chaos. Actually, these words in Psalm 46, verse 2, the psalmist is intentionally calling our attention back to the creation in Genesis chapter 1. I don't know if you remember this, but before God created in Genesis 1, it said that the earth was formless and void. And darkness covered the face of the deep. Those Hebrew words, formless and void, get at the idea of chaos and disorder and darkness over the face of the deep. But then God spoke 
and light exposed what was in the darkness. God spoke and he separated the sky from the water. God spoke and he separated the land from the water. God spoke and he formed creation. God spoke and life happened. God spoke and he brought order to the chaos. The chaos is controlled by our God. And so this is what the psalmist is telling us. Do you not know that the God you believe in has control over the chaos of this world? He is ever-present, always present, constantly present, never far away. You do not need to fear because God is near. In our gospel lesson today from Mark chapter 4, there's a storm, a big storm on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is with his disciples on a boat. The majority of Jesus' disciples were lifelong fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. They knew the power of the storms that would arise suddenly on the Sea of Galilee. Likely, they've been caught in these storms before. I would imagine they've had friends, relatives, co-workers who probably even died in tragic shipwrecks on the Sea of Galilee. And so this one day, they are caught in a storm at night in the middle of the sea, and water is filling their boat. If you don't know what keeps boats floating, well, it's not having water in them, <laughs> right? And so these disciples, these lifelong fishermen, are freaking out, afraid they're going to die, rightly so. You know where Jesus was? Asleep. <laughs> Asleep. There's something inaccurate about this picture that I found, though. I don't know if you know what it is. Um, I'm no boat guy. Uh, I don't know all the terminology, but I know that Jesus is asleep here in the bow of the boat. The Bible says he was asleep in the stern. All right, so the artist made a mistake, but we're going to go with it anyways. He was asleep. Jesus is sleeping in the boat in the middle of the storm. Jesus is sleeping on the boat in the middle of the storm. And so the disciples, they turn to one another and they're thinking, who's going to wake Jesus up? You know, Peter turns to Thomas, and he's like, Thomas, you better do it. There's going to be a time where you're going to need to, you know, earn some points back, and I don't know, maybe, maybe this is the time, and Thomas is like, Peter, you do it. You're the one who always does the dumb stuff. So they're elbowing each other, and they're like, you know what? Let's all do it on the count of three. So one, two, three, Jesus! And they wake Jesus up, and Jesus looks at the wind and the waves, and he speaks Peace, be still. And it is. And then Jesus turns to his disciples. He says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? I'm with you. Jesus is proving that he is God the one who has control over the chaos of life. For Jesus, a storm is nothing. 
And he proves that. Jesus not only brings peace to the storm, but Jesus is peace in the midst of the storm. Jesus is at peace in the midst of the storm, so much that he could be asleep during the storm. Jesus is not afraid of the storms that you're facing. Jesus is not afraid of the natural storms. Jesus is not afraid of your emotional storms. Jesus is not afraid of your medical storms. Jesus is at peace in the midst of the storm, and he brings peace to you in the midst of the storm. Jesus is your ever-present help in trouble. Jesus is your refuge. Jesus is your strength. You know those ships out on Lake Superior, these giant ships? Nowadays, they have to use advanced warning, advanced weather warnings, you know, to, to know if the big storms are coming so they know if they need to go and hunker down or hug the shoreline. They've got to have advanced warnings of the storm to know what to do. And then they have to go and run and find refuge. You and I often are not afforded such a blessing to know that the storms are coming. A lot of times, like the disciples in that night on the Sea of Galilee, are caught off guard by the storms that are thrust upon us. And we wonder, how can I go and find refuge from this? Where can I run and hide? I can't escape what I'm going through. I want you to know that Jesus is with you in the storm. Jesus is peace for you in the midst of the storm. You don't have to run and find refuge, but by faith you have refuge right where you are. When you call upon the name of Jesus Christ, he can and promises to be your peace in the midst of the storm. Right there, right in the midst. As the storms of life are raging all around you, I guarantee you that when you call upon Jesus' name, he will bring to you a peace that is not of this world. He will bring to you a peace that goes beyond human understanding. Jesus is your refuge and he is your strength. Now, I don't know what you're fearing as we're entering into this Advent season right now. I don't, I don't know what it is that's overwhelming you, but I'm sure there's something something that causes your palms to sweat, your heart to race, your mind to spin. I don't know if it's the fear of inflation or what's going to happen with the country or the wars that are all around us all over all the time. Maybe it's a fear of a diagnosis for yourself or a loved one. Or maybe it is just a fear of that overwhelming to-do list that's in front of you and you don't know what the end is. This Advent, I want you to practice being still. Turn off the news. Turn off your phone. Delete social media from your phone for a while. Maybe not forever, but just for a while or at least for a time during the day or at least for a full day during the week. Learn the practice of resting and reflecting on what God is doing in the midst of your life. 
Turn off the distractions and look around. Open God's Word. Read Psalm 46 daily. Look at the people around you that God is blessing you with. Look in the mirror and see the blessing of your life and the years of experience and blessing of God's storied presence in your life. God is your refuge and your strength. He is your very present, always present help in times of trouble. Jesus has come for you in the birth of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is present with you, and he has promised he will be your refuge and your strength until his second advent and the day of everlasting life. And until that day, he's here for you. You do not need to fear. Jesus is near. You need only be still. In his name, amen.